Hello, wonderful people, and welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, and this is episode number 73, and it's part number three of our series that we're doing for Christmas called Keep Christ in Christian. You've heard the phrase, of course, Keep Christ in Christmas. Uh, We're changing it up here at the podcast this year to be uh, Keep Christ in Christian. So I've always thought that the bumper sticker, uh, Keep Christ in Christmas, is smug, uh, that's just my opinion. You can disagree with me. That's okay. I just think it's like this weird, smuggish kind of phrase that Christians often say around Christmas time. Like, it kind of draws this line and says, uh, you don't celebrate Christmas the right way. Uh, you don't focus on the right thing. Uh, you don't pay enough attention to Jesus like we do over here in my family or my church or my tribe of people. And so until you get it right, you can kind of stay over there and do your own your own thing. So we're kind of changing it up. Instead of talking about how to keep Christ the focus of Christmas, how about we keep Christ the focus of Christian as we walk the Christian life every single day. So we're challenging ourselves a little bit. Today we have a special guest. Uh, Alexander John Shia is coming on the podcast to talk to us about all sorts of Christmassy things. He is going to blow your mind as he did blow mine as well. Uh, a couple of things up front. Number one, three things. Number one, Patreon, patreon.com slash whatifproject is a place where you can go uh, to support the show financially, anywhere from $3 a month up to $30 a month. So if this thing has encouraged you, inspired you, pushed you forward in your faith, that is a place where you can go to support the show. Every tier of giving gets its own reward, which is pretty cool. So blog posts, uh, bonus podcast episodes, books I send you in the mail, all sorts of goodies. So go check it out, patreon.com slash whatifproject. Number two, the What If Project community. Uh, it's a Facebook group, a closed Facebook group. All sorts of people are in there in various walks um, in their life and in their faith, and everybody's just cheering each other on. We've got people who have been Christians for their entire lives. We've got new Christians. We've got um, some people who are like agnostic. We've got people who dabble in Buddhism, Jew, all sorts of different things. Uh, and everybody's there, not arguing, but getting along, sharing their perspective and cheering one another on. I will put the links to those things in the show notes, uh, Patreon and the community as well. And thirdly, if you would uh, hang out after this episode is over, uh, Alexander and I will finish talking. There'll be a little bit of music and then a short segment at the end. I have something exciting to share with you uh, that we are doing here at the podcast, but going to be doing it a little bit differently based upon something that Alexander shared with me um, in this episode. So I'm excited to share that with you. Don't fast forward because you'll ruin the surprise uh, and it won't make as much sense as it will if you listen to the whole episode and then hear what I have to share there at the end. And so all of that to say, uh, again, thanks for dropping by. This is episode number 73, part three of our series, uh, Keep Christ in Christian. And this episode is entitled, Alexander John Shia Teaches Us How to Decorate the Dark. Enjoy. When you've been cast out, when you are filled with doubt, there is hope past pain that carries the weight of shame. There's a place of rest. You 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. Uh, This is a special episode because it's going to drop the Monday before Christmas. And today we have a very special guest with us, a returning guest, uh, the one and only Alexander John Shia. So, Alexander, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to have you along. Listen, brother, it is always great to be with you. And uh, as we should probably say to our to our our listeners, uh, we we have a friendship going, and I, I've been looking forward to this hour with you. Uh, we definitely do. And actually, before we start, I wanted to start off by saying uh, thank you to you because, as you said, uh, over this last I don't know year or so, you've become a very dear friend uh, to me. And uh, as you know, a lot of people have kind of walked out of my life, but you've walked into it at just the right time and have been a huge blessing to both me and uh, my family. And for our listeners, Alexander has become, I would say, this sort of uh, like mentoring figure in my life. We connect multiple times throughout the week. We've spoken on the phone. We've even had breakfast over connecting flight <laughs> in, the, in, in an airport. <laughs> but Alexander, your voice in my life um, is one that I've come to cherish and respect greatly. Uh, your friendship has brought a lot of encouragement to me. So uh, thank you for you and for your ministry um, at Quadrados. Uh, you are most welcome. Ed. We're recording this on the 14th of December and you just gave me a Christmas gift. Thank oh. you. Well, thank you. And uh, for our listeners, if you want to know more about um, Alexander, he was on the podcast last October. So I will put the link uh, to that in the show notes. We're not going to go through all the introductory material. I just kind of want to jump right into um, our conversation, Alexander, if that's all right with you. You have a wealth of knowledge from what I've come to understand uh, when it comes to Christmas, and in particular, uh, what Christmas meant to the early Christians in the early church. And so today, uh, I just want to focus on asking you a few questions regarding the origins of Christmas. And I want to start by asking you, why in the world is it in December? Like, I've heard varying answers to this question. Um, I know I've heard you touch on it somewhere, but uh, what exactly is the significance of Christmas falling in the month of December? Oh, it's, a, it's a huge question. So if I go too long here, just redirect me. That's right. You, you just uh, go. <laughs> well, I, I get very an- excited and animated about this because so many people today want an eco-spirituality. Mm. And, and Christianity at its core is eco-spirituality because we believe in incarnation and we believe in the incarnation of God in humanity, but also the incarnation of God in the cosmos. So unlike what most of us may think, when Christianity developed its calendar of feasts throughout the year, those feasts are on dates that line up in the Northern Hemisphere with what's going on in the earth and the sky, what's going on with the sun and the moon. Hmm. Because Christianity wanted to tell the cosmic story of God with us, not only the historical story. And I don't in any way want to discount the historical story, not at all. Hmm. But if we only tell the historical story, we point us backwards to another time and another place, rather than teaching us about a God who is with us now. Mm. And so the ecological story that Christianity lines its feasts up with tells us about a, a God which is present with us. Now, what would be the spiritual import or the spiritual lesson of Christmas? 
Well, the lesson of Christmas is that when we are in a dark time in our life, and perhaps when we are even in our darkest time in life, and we can look at how the gospel stories of Jesus's birth are set in a very dark moment in Judaism in the first century. Hmm. But uh, we want to tell the present moment story of God with us. And therefore, we know that in Christianity, in our spiritual practice, that the that the rebirth or the growth of deep grace in us happens in the dark time, happens in the dark season. Therefore, when we look at the calendar across the northern hemisphere, what's the darkest moment? Uh, what's the darkest moment of the outer light in the year? And we can go to, it's the, the moment that we call the winter solstice. Hmm. And we know that the term winter solstice, that solstice, sol means sun, S-U-N, and stis means still. And at the winter solstice, we know that the sun does not seem to change to the naked eye. It does not seem to increase or decrease. That's what solstice means hmm. on, on this time in December. Well, Christianity chose the winter solstice not there are many people who want to say we chose the winter solstice because we wanted to compete with paganism right that's what hardly. i've always heard <laughs> that's what i've always no, heard. hardly <laughs> we chose the winter solstice because we wanted to take what everybody already was celebrating that this is the day and the night where we observe the sun quote-unquote being reborn and we wanted to tell the deeper eternal incarnational story of our God being born in us. Hmm. And we wanted to teach ourselves that just as the sun is reborn at the darkest uh, day of the year, that we know that in our lives, internally in our lives, that when we are in a dark moment and when we are in the deepest dark moment, that that's not a moment where God is not but that is the moment where God's rebirth of grace will happen in us. Hmm. So that we choose the ecological moment as one way to understand incarnation that helps us access and touch and experience that internal moment that hmm. in the dark, the dark is not the place against God. The dark is actually the womb place the fertile soil place of God's new radiance in us. Mm, wow, that's beautiful. So I, I can go a little bit further and, and talk about how a couple of hundred years ago, uh, the calendar needed to be uh, reworked. And the calendar that was during the time of Jesus and for 1,500 years was something called the Julian calendar. And the Julian calendar only had 362 days a year in it. Hmm. And it also did not allow for what we now to know as leap day. So in the 1600s, the Roman Catholic Church under Pope Gregory uh, decided that, we, that they were going to redo the calendar and bring it in line with actually the time that it takes the sun for us to make one revolution of the sun. 
and therefore the the year was going to need to be 365 days a year. They were going to have to add three days to each calendar year, and then every fourth year, we were going to add another day that we call leap day. Hmm. Well, what this immediately meant is when we added three days to every year, it meant that all the feast days of Christendom slipped three days off the date that most lined up with what was going on in nature. Hmm. And of all the feasts, this most impacted Christmas. And there was the great consternation of what do we do with the Feast of Christmas? Do we move Christmas back to the 21st, 22nd, depending on leap year? Hmm. Or do we keep the feast on its traditional date in the old calendar of December the 25th? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? So <clears throat> as you know, in Christianity, we, we try to resolve these great issues at many levels. And so let's let's think about this. We've, we're now going to have three days between the winter solstice and Christmas, roughly three days. Well, in Scripture, where do we have three days? And then we start realizing all the scriptural references, both in the Old Hebrew Testament mm. and in the Gospels, about three days. And if you've got Jonah in the whale three days. Um, you've got Abraham and Isaac walking to Mount Moriah for three days. Hmm. And the great understanding that Jesus was in the tomb three days. Hmm. So this three days, we immediately began to think theologically, ah, this beautiful three-day journey from the winter solstice to Christmas. But the most compelling reason in the church is never only the outer story, but also the inner ecological story. Hmm. So back to that, that the term winter solstice and solstice, sun still. What we know the Celts were doing is the Celts were waiting to see the light of the sun increasing and that the light of the sun could be seen to increase after the winter solstice on the third day. Mm. And equally, at the summer solstice, the light decreasing happens on the third day past the summer solstice. Mm. But that was the final, aha! Now Christmas morning is even more full expression because now Christmas does not line up on the day of the greatest darkness where we sort of ideologically or theologically know that the sun is reborn or begins to grow again. But now Christmas is going to be Christmas morning. It's going to be that morning where to the naked eye, you can actually feel and perceive light is increasing. Mm. So that for the Northern Hemisphere, Christmas morning proclaims in nature what we proclaim internally and mm. what we proclaim in history. Mm. Jesus the Christ is with us, and that Jesus the Christ is always born in us in the place of our deepest dark. Mm. That's amazing. So it's not, it's not like you said, it's not a, about the Christians being in competition with the pagans. It's not about the Christians creating their own holiday, but it's about uh, Christmas is about rebirth and birth, and that's best seen in creation and in the world around us during that during that time. 
right? Mm. Teaching us the spiritual lesson. Of course, we, we celebrate in an outer way this birth in nature on Jesus on December the 25th. Yeah. But it's really, really important for us to understand whenever the deepest dark happens in our life, and it might be the middle of July hmm. or our October, but whenever that happens, understand that that internal dark moment for you is a moment of advent. And as you move through that darkness, know that you're not in a place where God is not. Mm. Know that you are growing close to the place of new radiance in your life. Mm. We often think of darkness as the end of the road, when in reality it's, it's the beginning of something it's new. It's the beginning. Yeah. And that is why Judaism and Christianity, for much, most of its history, observed the change of day mm. as 20 minutes after sunset. And even Roman Catholicism has returned to that practice. So um, that when we have this beautiful name that our culture has changed from our spiritual practice. But when we say Christmas Eve, that's shorthand for Christmas evening. Hmm. And evening and Eve stands for Eve, the first woman. Hmm. And Eve, the first woman stands for mother and matter and mother and mature matter are always that from which life ushers Hmm. therefore in the roman catholic tradition today christmas begins with christmas evening that starts 20 minutes after sunset on december the 24th Hmm. and christmas evening moves to christmas dawn and Christmas morning. Now, where does the, just a thought that came to my mind, where does the Christmas tree fit into all of this? Is there a significance with um, the light, the lights on the trees? Oh, yeah. Is there oh, something yeah. that ties into that somehow? Oh, yeah. It's, this is so beautiful. And, and one of the things that we didn't talk a lot about, and I'm not going to go on greatly, but the feast of Christmas in Christianity really matured in Christianity because we met the Celtic world. Hmm. And the Celtic world didn't understand us because we, as long as Christianity stayed in the Mediterranean, we kept to our moon calendar. Hmm. And when we went north of the, of the Alps and we met the Celtic world, they had a sun calendar, an SUN calendar. And, and marking the, the changes in the sun was so important to them because without that, the growing cycle wouldn't be. Hmm. So therefore, the the, one of the core celebrations of the Celtic world, and celebration is really a, a, a misnomer here because it's a deep, necessary spiritual practice at the winter solstice. They believed that they had to engage in spiritual practice so that the SUN sun would be reborn. They didn't believe like we do today, oh, it's just another day on the calendar, and of course, the sun tomorrow is going to start increasing. No, 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 no. To them, they had to participate hmm. in bringing the sun back. Almost like the sun and depended so, on them. Yes, yeah. yes. Huh. So the great symbol or, 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 or outer object for the Celts was the tree. Hmm. And they believed the great sacred tree joined together the heavens, the earth, and the roots, the underworld. And for them, 
the sacred tree was the oak. But the, the fir tree only became the sacred tree in the Celtic world when the, when the great ancient oak forests were decimated. Very sad thing. And then it transferred to the, to the fir tree that we think of. But at the day before the winter solstice, and of course this is during the time when the winter solstice is December the 25th, on December the 24th, the barren oak tree and the oak tree in its barrenness is looked at as the mother about to give forth new life. Mm. And to, to mark this moment where the oak tree is going to be reborn as an image of the sun being reborn, the Celts celebrated by tying dried fruits into the oak tree. Mm. They tied oranges and apples and other fruits from the harvest into the oak tree. And so you now had this barren tree. On December the 24th, you had this barren sacred oak tree, the barren sacred oak tree of the village. There wasn't, people didn't have an oak tree in their yard that they decorated. They all <laughs> sure. came together to celebrate the village's sacred tree. Mm. And, and then Christianity came and saw this practice. And they went, we know this tree. Mm. You're celebrating the sacred tree that you believe is an image of the rebirth of the S-U-N, the sun. We know this sacred tree as the tree at the center of the Garden of Eden. Mm. And we know that in the birth of the Jesus the Christ, the S-O-N, we know that in that birth, we're all admitted again to the garden. And we all now in the presence of this great tree stand in wonder and awe. Mm. And so therefore what Christianity did is they made December the 24th, and this is the days before the calendar had to be, uh, three days had to be added to it. The Feast of Christmas is the 25th, the Feast of the Winter Solstice is the 25th. December the 24th becomes the Feast of Adam and Eve. Mm. And on this day, we Christians gathered to decorate the sacred tree, usually somewhere near the village church or the center of the village. So not yet the idea of individual trees, but we gathered as a community around the sacred tree, seeing the sacred tree in its barrenness as now bearing new fruit, mm. bearing new radiance and letting the decoration of this tree bring us to a place of new wonder and awe. Mm. Wonder and awe that is born in each of us as we come into the presence of a gracious God who is with us. Mm. So it's almost like another reminder of rebirth, another reminder of newness. And, huh. and um, I, I know you've got your beautiful young daughter and I'm having this experience as a great uncle. I've got a, a nephew who's now three and a half and a great niece, I mean, a great nephew who's three mm. and a half and a great niece who is now just, just over two years old. And, 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 and my nephew and his wife just sent me a picture because they just put up the Christmas tree yeah. in the living room. <laughs> and they just sent me this picture of, of little Luke and little Adeline sitting there with their faces aglow mm -hmm. looking at this tree. And that's exactly the experience that we want for all of us Christians in the presence of the rebirth of Jesus the Christ in a, a new and greater way in us 
to be touched by that experience of wonder and awe. Mm. When I love Christmas because this, like everything you're talking about is like striking so many chords in me because I love Christmas. Now that I've been kind of processing over these last couple of weeks and thinking about like, why do I love Christmas so much? Like one of the things I enjoy is like, I love the tree in the living room. I love coming down the steps mm-hmm. in the morning and turning on the light. And whenever I do, like mm-hmm. I just, I just stand there every morning and I look at the tree and it just yeah. brings a smile to my face. And there's something about this season that helps it, it almost like lasts after the tree comes down and it, it kind of propels me into the rest of the, rest of the year. And as you're talking, it kind of makes me think that, you know, Christmas, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Christmas almost seems as it should be this, this climax of the, of the year where we experience this rebirth, we experience this newness, and that then propels us into uh, the rest of the year going, going forward. It is. I mean, I, I personally, I have to say, I've got two high moments of the year and one is Christmas and one is Easter. Sure. Um, and there is I long for the experience of Christmas and and I was down in the Southern hemisphere for almost five years Mm. where Christmas is at the summer solstice and it's, you know, it's communities gathered at the beach and it's a wonderful expression of love and relationship, but they don't have the chance to touch that sense of new radiance in the deepest dark, which Mm. was the original message of Christmas. And especially right now, especially with what's going on on the planet right now, especially the, the, the level of angst people are feeling and concern and even wondering about whether we have a future. Um, we need the internal Christmas and we need the outer Christmas to bring forward that internal Christmas mm. that a time of great darkness is not the end, it's the beginning. Mm. That it's in the darkness of December, it's in the darkness of Christmas that the new radiance is born. And we can come to trust that and to know that, and we can bring ourselves to this dark moment that we're having culturally, knowing that this is not how things end. Mm. This is how things begin again. Mm. Talk to me a little bit more about, about darkness, because it seems to me like, like the early Christians had this respect for darkness like it wasn't something to be feared but maybe more revered maybe is the word and i asked that because like in seminary um we talked a lot about like the darkness and in particular the kingdom of darkness which was always taught to be like evil demonic satanic something to be avoided cast out and it was always you always want to you know pursue the light and run from the darkness kind of thing so i'm wondering when when did darkness kind of take on that uh, negative uh, language, and how might what, what might it look like for us to use Christmas as a time to maybe maybe redeem the darkness as opposed to uh, fear it and and push it away? <laughs> Another, big question, question. Another big question. Another big question. Let me just sort of <laughs> wait in. And I, there, there's a phrase that that I use, and people are kind of uh, pointing to me in this phrase, but. I, I want to bring forward to us the the practice that in this dark time that we don't light a candle against the dark, mm. but we light a candle to decorate the dark. Mm. And 
again, having that experience of being down in between New Zealand and Australia for years, people don't put up Christmas lights. It's the sun's not going down to 11 o'clock at night. Mm. And, 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 and a Christmas tree with lights on it, you know, if you're up at 1am, maybe, but it's like so much of the day is filled with daylight that it loses that wonder and awe that we in the Northern hemisphere have such a grace to experience. Hmm. So now what happened? All right, let's go back to our Judaism because we, we're, our, our tradition is always best when it learns from our mother Judaism. In Judaism, nighttime and the coming of night is considered the queen. You go to a Shabbat service and Shabbat service, which starts 20 minutes after sunset when the night sky has arrived, and they open the door to the synagogue and the assembly turns around and they greet the queen of the evening Hmm. who has come to give us rest and recreation. Hmm. And that in Judaism, all feasts every day begins in the nighttime because they go back to those first words of Genesis. And the world was void and a wind blew over the abyss. The world was in a nighttime experience. And from this nighttime experience was a beginning. Mm. And they always understand that, of course, we have had some fearful experiences in the dark. Don't think that I'm naive about this. Mm. But our spiritual tradition teaches us that new life ushers forth from darkness in the outer world and new life ushers forth from us dark from the darkness in our internal world Hmm. and that darkness in this perspective is the womb of god the dark fertile womb of god from which god helps us usher forth in new life Hmm. well judaism has given us this long history And we as Christians continued it for a long time. We forget that Sunday service was always 20 minutes after sunset of Saturday, Sabbath, or was in the hour before dawn on Sunday. That that Sunday service was always considered to be a service in the night from which we usher forth into the light. Again, Not that we wanted darkness against the light, but we wanted an understanding that we take ourselves back to a dark time. Mm -hmm. We take ourselves to a time when our outer eyesight is dimmed because we want to ask of God, God, give us new inner sight. God, bring us through into a new and a larger and a more vital birth. Mm -hmm. And we understand that the nighttime is a way that we touch womb time and that new radiance continually ushers forth from the darkness. Mm. Now, when did this all begin to to fade away? It began to fade away uh, as we move into the Middle Ages uh, and as we also have the advent of science. And we have the beginning of clock time different from sun time. Hmm. And slowly, 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 as the centuries went on, we, and especially we in 
the European mindset began to fall into the lesser truth that light and dark were in competition with each other. Mm. And that in this sense of competition, this is dualism, in this sense of competition, that we began to think of lesser thoughts, that that our life, that our spiritual life was about aligning with light against dark. Mm. This could never have been part of Judaism or early Christianity because we were fully in the understanding. Go back to Genesis. God creates the night. Mm. God creates the light and sees that everything is good. That light and dark are part of God's good creation. And what we want is we want to have them in right relationship, in right ratio. Mm. I don't want all night. I don't want all light. We, they, they work together. Well, sadly, this, this um, began, this understanding began to dim, and then came the period of the Enlightenment. And the Enlightenment brought us many, many gifts, and it brought us a heightened sense of reason, which has been a tremendous gift. But it also brought with it uh, an unreflective dualism, and the more we began, began people of the light, the more we cut off part of God and demonized God's creation mm. and saw darkness as the place where God is not. We literally split the cosmos in two, mm. and we split our understanding of God in two. Mm. And now today we've got to begin what I think of as a, 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 re, as a healing of God's tapestry. And this is going to be a major work for us stretching long into the future. But I invite us to begin to realize that all the prayers and all the illusions of darkness as sin, darkness as evil, darkness as pain, all of that, it's not true. Mm. Um, we, we know today that the most destructive power in the cosmos is an atomic blast. Mm. And that's as close as we can get to pure light. There, there is as much disease and illness and harm in light as there potentially is in dark. So that light and dark have many aspects to them. And many of the aspects of light and darkness are holy. Hmm. And also there are aspects of light and dark which are harmful. Hmm. We need to heal ourselves of the split that is not in God, but it's in us. Mm. that that light and dark are not part of God's harmony. Mm. What kind of like, what kind of practical, um, trying to think of the word, but like practical positive things would come out of um, redeeming the darkness like that? You know, like if we talk about um, bringing back this idea of decorating the darkness as opposed to casting it out, what, what, what kind of positive things would happen in the world around us if we were to take that approach well, one of the things that's unreflective in us is we try to heal ourselves of racism. Mm. We, we have language which doesn't help us because you just look up the synonyms uh, for, for the darkness and, and you get garbage, soil, uh, evil, sinfulness, et cetera, et cetera. And, and now you look at a dark person, a dark-skinned person. Mm. And of course, you're not thinking that. But our language brings a reality into us, which sometimes is not helpful. Hmm. And 
darkness is beautiful. Darkness is of God. And let us uh, make holy again that time after sunset. Let us make holy again this dark season of November and December where we can so beautifully see the night sky and understand that that darkness and the mystery and the power of that darkness is is part of our God and part of mm-hmm. us. Anyway, I can go on and on about this, but uh, the the first place for us to start is to know that we want to change our speech and probably we want to begin to change some of our prayers mm-hmm. uh, because we want to understand that darkness has an aspect of holiness hmm. and that we do not want to put uh, a, a demonic darkness on people of dark skin. Hmm. And in times past, women were considered dark because of their blood flow and we demonized them because of that. Hmm. There, there's a whole group of people that we have cut off and said they are the other because they carry some aspect of darkness that we demonized. Hmm. Talk to me about what would it look like, because you just mentioned about changing not only our language, but changing our prayers. And that makes me think of, again, my seminary days. Um, I took classes called like Power Encounter, which was about um, you know tackling the kingdom of darkness. And it was about um, praying the darkness out. And I think, I think about my own prayer life. And whenever darkness comes up in my prayers, it's always in a very negative way. Uh, yeah. So I'm wondering, what, what, what would it look like to bring darkness into my prayer life in a more positive way? And, and uh, first of all, let me just go back and emphasize for, for uh, our listeners at this moment. Um, I'm not saying that there is not pain and sure. hardship yep. and chaos and evil and all those things that are difficult for us to deal with. What I'm saying is the color of those are not, is not darkness. Mm. We've got to stop this equation in us that darkness means all those things. Mm. Darkness doesn't mean all those things. We've projected the color dark on those experiences. And so therefore we need to talk about pain and isolation and fear and anxiety, but don't put a color on it. Mm. The other thing is uh, there's this beautiful uh, hymn by Dan Schutte um, called Holy Darkness. And uh, uh, I would really invite people to go listen to to Schutte's beautiful hymn, who brings forward for us uh, an an incredible melody, uh, new images of of darkness. And that we can, that in my language, in the prayers that I write, um, I always pray to a God of light and dark. Uh, I don't want a God of light alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see a God of light as a destination or an endpoint. I Please save me from moving toward a God of light. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what I, for me, the, the metaphor that I use is I'm moving toward a God of radiance. Mm-hmm. And what I like about the word radiance, and it's just my experiment, uh, see what it, how it is for you, but radiance is made up of light and dark and it has a vibration to it. Hmm. And that to me is something closer to the mystery of who God is. Hmm. So I am substituting in my prayers, praying 
for a lot a God of light and dark. I'm praying that God will bring me the fruitful darkness. Mm. I'm praying that that God will bring me away from certitude and bring me to mystery. Mm. I'm praying that that God will put me in God's womb from which I can usher forth the new creativity and love and compassion and vitality. Mm. So these are some of the the images and also some of the more feminine expressions of God, which also are helping balance me out. Mm. Before we wrap up, uh, speak for a moment to the person who maybe is listening to this. And um, as you said before, um, you're not uh, downplaying people's darkness, of course, but speak to the, maybe speak to the person who is experiencing darkness this Christmas season. Maybe they're in the midst of some kind of, um, trial with their finances or maybe their health or um, a relationship um, as they enter into Christmas, which will be just a couple of days um, after this recording drops. But uh, what would you say to them if they were listening in or they were here joining us, I should say, in the conversation right now? As a psychologist and as a spiritual director, there's one thing that I know about December time for us in the, nor- the Northern Hemisphere, probably all over the world, but especially in the Northern Hemisphere where the daylight is so short. And that is, is that um, December becomes a moment that you know what this past year has been like. Mm -hmm. If this past year has been one of those years where um, you have been filled with wonder and friendship and good health, and it's one of those moments where everything seems to be in some magnificent flow. You know, Christmas can be sort of an ecstatic wrap-up to the year. Mm-hmm. But equally, the other side, which is if you have experienced grief and loss, if there has been a financial downturn, if you are facing health challenges, um, if you have uh, uh, wrestled with internal and emotional issues this year, no, 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 that Christmas can be a moment where you feel less than Mm. where you feel everybody else is being joyful and here I am locked in a, in a, in a, in a prison of fear and anxiety. Mm. And, and simply, simply know that and try to, try to um, make it okay. There are those of us, and I'm with you, there are those of us who know the isolation of this time of the year. Mm and who know the loneliness of this time of the year. I, I would hope that those of us who have more right now will reach out to those who are in pain. Yeah. And, and just, what I, what I want to say is just walk with them. Mm. Um, your, your presence and your friendship uh, will mean inestimable value. Mm. And if there's some small thing that you can gift them with, which will make their life a little bit easier, yes, of course. Mm. Um, I, I, I love the, the December the 26th, which is oftentimes called the Feast of Stephen. And it's called the Feast of, uh, some people know it in their calendar as quote-unquote Boxing Day. Yeah. The reason for that feast is because we understand that love has a cost for us mm. and that on the feast of Stephen, 
the person, the first person that we know of who gave his life for Jesus the Christ. He's the mm-hmm. first martyr for Jesus the Christ. We understand that at December when we celebrate birth, that this birth is not an easy birth mm-hmm. and that it costs something for us. And that Christmas is about our generosity, not just to the people around us that we want to show our gratitude for them in our lives, but especially for the people who have so little. Mm. And so Christianity made a practice on the Feast of Stephen. And on the Feast of Stephen, the 26th of December, we went around and we boxed food and clothing, and we took it to those who had so little Mm. because we knew that our generosity was something that they depended upon to live until the springtime. Huh. Wow. Alexander, you have given me a brand new narrative. Uh, I had no idea about Boxing Day. I didn't know that that was the, uh, the origins of that. Yeah. When I, was, when I was a kid, I used to think boxing like, you know, the sport boxing. I had no, absolutely no idea exactly. that had anything to do with boxing up things for people who are less fortunate. When I was a small boy, I used to watch Friday night boxing with my father. And I yeah. kept thinking, well, I, well, on, on, the, on the December the 26th, I thought we were supposed to sit around and watch boxing. That's what I always thought too. <laughs> oh, wow. I know that you're collecting money to take to some homeless and some people in need in your area. Yeah. And I just really encourage people if you've got a little extra that you can spare, uh, it's a really worthy cause. Thank you. There's a woman in our community who um, fills up her car with whatever homeless people might need and she knows where they live and she lets them come and take, take things out of their, her car that they need. And uh, so we've been raising up some money and she has specific items that she's looking for. So we've got about almost $600 right now and uh, we're going to go out next week and purchase all the stuff that she needs and drop it off so she can fill up her car. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, well. So I might even pass along this idea of boxing day to her. Cause I don't know if she knows. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We're just about out of time. Uh, before you go though, number one, where can people find you online? And number two, are you working on any upcoming projects you want to make us aware of? Uh, you can find me online. Please go to my website, which yeah. is quad Q U A D. R-A-T-O-S, quadratus.com. And you'll find all manner of films and videos and podcasts to listen to. And, mm. and also my stories there, which you could purchase or through my story, you can purchase any number of, of books that I've written. Uh, the project that I'm racing to finish is we're going to come out with a hardbound edition of what has been called Heart and Mind. And the hardbound edition we plan to have out before Lent it's going to be under a slightly new title called Radical Transformation, mm. The Four Gospel Journey of Heart and Mind. Mm. Uh, and uh, if you've got just an extra prayer, I would really appreciate it that by, uh, by next fall, I'll have my book on Christmas out. Yes. Which will have uh, <laughs> uh, some of what we've just been talking yes. about today, but I really need some energy and some time to finish it. Absolutely. Well, I know you've been talking about that for, I think about a year now, maybe a little bit more. And I know a lot of people are itching for it. So um, these kind of teaser moments that we have on podcasts, (laughs) tell us the goodness that is to come. For sure. Well, Alexander, thank you so much for coming by. Um, It was great to, to have you back again. To you, to all the family. 
to all your listeners. Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas. Found out your whole world came crashing down. You were told to change. Parents were taught. Man, that was so good, wasn't it? I could listen to Alexander talk all day long. Uh, so, so good. So, so here's the thing. I asked you to hang around a little bit um, after the episode because I want to want to share something with you. Alexander mentioned a uh, collection that we're doing for the podcast, and I haven't announced it on the podcast uh, because I've been spreading the word through social media. But after Alexander mentioned it today, um, I decided, you know what? I want to I do a couple things. Number one, I want to invite any of our listeners, anybody who hasn't heard about it yet uh, to contribute. Or even if you have heard about it and you haven't contributed yet, but you want to, uh, you still can. Uh, $5, $10, $100, whatever you can or might want to give. You can send the money to me uh, via the Cash App, PayPal. Venmo, all the links to all of those things will be uh, in the show notes. And thank you, by the way, for everybody who has donated. Uh, Right now, we have collected $700, $700. And uh, last week, Dana and Jordan went out while I was at work, and they purchased a whole bunch of stuff uh, for the homeless people in our community. And kind of the background is that there's this woman who lives in town and she's one of the most generous people like in the universe. She literally fills up her car with items that homeless people need. She knows where they live. She's friends with most of them. And she lets them come and take whatever they need uh, out of her car. And so we thought about, you know, we thought about doing kind of like our own collection and doing our own kind of handout. But then I thought, you know what, this, this woman, this wonderful lady is already doing uh, um, such amazing work. So instead of going and doing something that she's already doing, why don't we just empower her to do what she's doing even more, right? So why don't we just stuff her car for her so she has uh, stuff that people need uh, for days and maybe even weeks uh, weeks to come. And so uh, we've got a lot of a lot of stuff. She gave us a list of things that people need, uh, things like toilet paper, uh, beef jerky, like non-perishable items, so crackers, uh, goldfish, um, all, all that kind of stuff. And so here's the cool part. Here's, here's the second thing. So the first thing is if you still want to give, you still can. Uh, but the second part is, man, I had no idea, uh, what boxing day was all about, right? Like for real, I had no idea. So on the podcast, when Alexander said that, and I told him, I didn't know what that was. I literally had no idea. I honestly thought when I was a kid had to do with people boxing and like the sport. That's, that's what I thought it was. I thought maybe there was like a, used to be like a big boxing match or something the day after Christmas. I don't know. I had no idea uh, kind of the origins of what Boxing Day is is all about. And so what we're going to do is this week, uh, if any more money comes in, we're going to go out and buy some more items. And uh, then we're going to box those things up. And we're going to bring the boxes to this woman in our community uh, the day after the day after Christmas, December 26, which is Boxing Day. So in the spirit of our ancestors... Uh, we're going to box up these items for those in need and trust that these things will then be a blessing uh, for those people. And so again, if you want to donate, uh, the links to send those uh, to send money to me through the Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo, all of those things will be in the show notes. 
And uh, yeah, so that said, I don't want to keep you much longer. We're, we're nearing the hour mark here uh, pretty soon. But again, this is episode number 73, uh, final part of our series uh, for Christmas, Keep Christ in Christian. Uh, Christmas, by the way, if you're listening to this on Monday, it's two days away. I can't believe how fast uh, the year has gone. And so as you leave here and you take part in whatever big or small preparations that you may have, uh, may this Christmas be one where you honor the darkness, as Alexander taught us. Honor the darkness in your life and light up your Christmas tree. Light up your Christmas wreath. Light up your Advent candles. Light those things up, not to expel the darkness, not to push the darkness away, but to decorate the darkness, to honor it, to give it space to live and to breathe in your life, to give birth to something new uh, in the upcoming year. I don't know what darkness you've got in your life. I don't know what stuff is going on. Uh, But this Christmas, as we enter into 2020, instead of trying to expel it, cast it out, squash it, let it breathe, honor it, and trust that it will give birth to something new in the not-so-distant future. Much love to you, my friends, and a very, very Merry Christmas to you and to your family. Bye-bye.